Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Joe. Would you stand with me? We're going to read together in unison the greatest psalm, the most popular psalm in the text of Scripture. That's my opinion, but it's Psalm 23. We're going to put it on the board. We're going to read it together this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you remain standing as we pray? Lord, you are our shepherd. You are the one who is always looking after us. You are the one who is present. You are the one leading us and guiding us and protecting us. And Lord, my prayer this morning is simple, that we might realize that. We might know that and walk in that, that you, Lord, are our shepherd. You are close and you are near. So Lord, we praise your name. You are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people shouted, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Today is an exciting day. Did you realize we have been meeting now uh, weekly as, as a church for one year? It's a big deal in, uh, in our church, in our lives, and in the history of this church. It's, it's an exciting time to be in. If you want, you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. That's where we'll be at this morning. And we've been talking about the Psalms, different Psalms every Sunday. We're going to talk about Psalm 23 this week and next week because it's, it's the most popular. It's the most iconic Psalm in the Bible. And so the Psalms teach us the language of faith. That's point one. That's what we've been saying along this journey and in studying individual Psalms, that the Psalms teach us the language of faith. And they have taught the language of faith for many, 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 many years. This particular Psalm, Psalm 23, is by David, and he lived in like 1000 BC. So if you do the math, that's like 3000 years people of God have been saying this Psalm, singing this Psalm, praying this Psalm, and it is to be read, I'm going to argue, sacramentally, and I'll try to explain what I mean by that, but it's interpreting this psalm, reading this psalm, praying this psalm, as if these are the words of people and these are the words of God and our imagination as the people of God enters into this place where we see the Lord as our shepherd. Here's a, here's a quote by Andrew Arndt. He was here last Sunday. He wrote this psalm's preaching guide for us at New Life. The quote is this. It says, the fathers, and by that he means the church fathers, these, these bishops uh, for the first few hundred years of the Christian church that really formed us, they said that the fathers read the, church, the, fathers read the Bible sacramentally. They believed that every word, phrase, chapter, and book, the reality of Christ was truly communicated and that in that communication, they were changed. And I pray that this morning, that we would see Christ as we read Psalm 23 and talk about it and look about it, that, that as we see this scripture, 
we see Jesus, God himself, and fully human, that we can know God. I think sometimes people say, uh, they look into Christianity and say, well, you know, what's re- what really is God all about? Can you tell me more about God? You know, what's he like? And I would say to that, if you fully can get Jesus, if you can know what Jesus said, know who Jesus was, then you can get God, because Jesus was fully one of us, a human, and fully God. And I pray that, that our imaginations would be open this morning as we study Psalm 23 in such a way that we see Jesus, that the Spirit speaks to us this morning. So I've already said this a couple times, it's my opinion, that Psalm 23 is the most popular psalm. I would even go a step further and say that Psalm 23 is the most popular passage in the Bible itself. That's my opinion. There's really no way to measure that, so you could disagree if you would like. You could say, oh, but maybe John 3.16. You know, sports fans, they hold up the little signs and say, John 3.16. A couple years ago, Tim Tebow put John 3.16 on his little eye patches. What are they called? Little cheek patches thing. You know what I'm talking about. So just John 6, 3, 16, it's up there. Maybe Genesis 1, 1, people start reading the Bible and they, they read Genesis 1. So that's pretty popular. But I think in history, I think my opinion is in the church world and out of the church world, Psalm 23 is the most popular and it deserves to be. This Psalm is just so beautiful. 120 words in the version we just read, six verses, Psalm 23 deserves to be the most popular. And I've said this before, that if if you aren't sure what to pray, if you're in a situation and people are praying or they ask you to pray or you're just like, man, we should pray right now and you're not sure what to pray, I've said this, pray the Psalms. Pick a Psalm and start praying that. And if you're not sure what Psalm to pick, pick Psalm 23, and just pray this psalm, read this psalm. It will guide you. That's what the psalm is about, the Lord guiding us. I remember a couple times in my life that we just read this psalm, um, and it was we didn't know what to pray, but we prayed it. Two years ago, uh, right before we launched our, week, our monthly services, the day before my mom got really sick, and she's here now, so this is going to be a good story, but she got really, really sick two years ago, meningitis, and she was unconscious, and no, the doctor said no brain activity. We weren't sure what to do. We showed up on a morning ready, thinking that that day we were going to say goodbye, take her off of life support, and, 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 and then prepare a funeral. And instead, um, that didn't happen. She's here. But in the midst of that, we were standing around, and, and, and I couldn't even talk. I was just very emotional. My wife just led us through a, through a prayer, and the prayer was Psalm 23. Lord, you are our shepherd, and you, we don't need anything. And you make us lie down in green pastures, and you lead us besides quiet waters. Two weeks ago... Two Mondays ago, uh, many of you know Micah Flick. Um, he, he was a new lifer. He was the deputy uh, shot and, and killed in, in the line of duty. Many of us know uh, t- uh, Tim and Shanoa, who are the parents of Micah. They were a part of this church, planting this church. They were the, the, the sending team and helped us plant in the very early days this church, New Life Manitou. And when that tragedy happened, I, 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 knew, I know Tim well enough. I called him the next day. So Micah died. His son died on Monday. On Tuesday morning, I called Tim. And I, he, he didn't answer, so I just got a voicemail. And I just cried on this voicemail. And I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to pray. So I just prayed and quoted, Tim, the Lord is your shepherd. With you, he's, he's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. And, 
And I just started bawling on this voicemail saying, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not going to fear this. The Lord is with us. His, his rod and his staff are going to be with us. And Tim, I'm so sorry this has happened, but the Lord is with you. He's going to prepare a table before you, even in the presence of your enemies. He's going to anoint your head, your whole family with oil. And goodness and mercy are going to follow you all the days of your life, Tim. And I prayed that. And I said goodbye. And I hung up the phone. And just, Lord, would you lead this family? Would you guide this family? Psalm 23, I'm arguing, is the most popular psalm because it is. It's, it's, it deserves to be in this category of, of the best of Scripture. Point one of my sermon is this, that the Lord is our shepherd. How could you get any other point <laughs> besides that? But the Lord is our shepherd. It's a metaphor, right? It's a, are you ready for the SAT word of the day? It's an anthropomorphism. That's, that's the key word. See if you could use that word a couple times today and then text me how many times you got to use it. That would be great. And anthropomorphism is when we give something that isn't human, like a thing uh, or an animal, or in this case, God. We give God human characteristics so that we might understand him better. And anthropomorphism, the Bible's full of these for the Lord. Psalm 136 says, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, his love endures forever. Does that, what does that mean? He has an arm? No, it just, it's talking about his power. Psalm 34 says, his eyes, look at the righteous, his ears to their cry. It's like, oh, does the Lord have eyes like we have eyes and that maybe like we could hide behind a wall and God won't see us? No, it's just, just saying that the Lord is looking out for those that are righteous and he's listening to them. There's other images, anthropomorphisms in the Bible. God is like a potter. We are like the clay. God is like a fisherman. God is like a king. God is all these different things. And I'm, here's another opinion. If you're new, I usually don't share my opinions. And you'll see why I'm sharing this. It's not just a preacher talking about his opinions. But, but in my opinion, for whatever it's worth, this metaphor of God as shepherd is the best metaphor we have in the context of the Bible. Why? Because I would say the, the, the metaphor, the anthropomorphism of a shepherd covers so many different things. A shepherd leads his sheep. A shepherd guides his sheep. A shepherd protects. What happens when the wolf comes in? Well, the shepherd's duty is to protect the sheep. What happens when a sheep gets hurt, cuts its leg? Well, the, sh the shepherd needs to get down and bandage. The, the shepherd is the healer, the doctor, the provider. When one gets lost, the shepherd goes out and finds them. So many different things. The shepherd's role over his sheep. It's a comprehensive metaphor. And I would say this, that it speaks, this, this image of the Lord as our shepherd speaks to the deepest longings that we have as humans, that we need a shepherd, we need healing, we need someone to come running after us and find us, we need protection and provision, and the Lord as our shepherd, he does all of these things, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. Sheep really need a shepherd, do you know this? Like a sheep, like consider like the animals in this world. Uh, the, many of them are prey. Many of them are predators. Uh, a sheep would obviously be a prey. And there's lots of other animals that are prey kind of animals. I think about birds. They could fly away. I think about rabbits. They can jump and move quickly. Think about dogs have teeth. Cats have claws. And sheep, bah. they're just like meat walking around, ready for anything 
anything, even animal like foxes are smaller than sheep, and yet a, a, a fox could easily take down a sheep and kill it and eat it. Like the sheep, who's protecting the sheep? Like the sheep don't have anything; they need a shepherd. I, I talked about this weird little sheep uh, about a year ago. It's worth talking about again. Google him later. Uh, Google Chris the sheep. Not now; you'll get distracted. Do this later if your memory comes back. Watch a video or see some pictures of Chris the sheep. It's the sheep that got away years ago in Australia and lived on its own for, for years and years. Uh, I'm not sure how many years exactly. But this sheep somehow made it. Like somehow this sheep is like no way to protect itself. Uh, found a way in the woods to, to stay alive from the other wolves and predators in Australia. And the sheep started growing wool. That's what sheeps do. And it kept growing wool, kept growing wool, and had no, no way to get it off other than a shepherd, but it was away from its flock. It, it was nowhere near a shepherd. And it grew. This poor little sheep was only something like 90 pounds. It was dehydrated and malnourished, and yet it was carrying around with him 89 pounds of wool. I looked it up and it said that that's enough wool to make 30 men's suits. So imagine carrying a 30 men's suits on the back of this tiny little animal. It could not even walk more than a few steps. And what an image. Like, obviously, sheep need shepherds. Isn't that an image like us? Like, what do we do when we get away from the Lord and we wander and we get in our own? We can't even walk. We're carrying around so much stuff. What an image of, of the Lord being our shepherd. And it says that if the Lord is our shepherd, the King James says, I shall not want. What does that mean? It means we don't need anything. The Lord's our shepherd and he's going to take care of us. We don't need anything. Point two is this, that the Lord leads us into rest and peace. Let me read for us the, this psalm. It says, the Lord's our shepherd. I shall not be a want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. That gives us food and lying down. And he leads us besides quiet waters. We need water to drink. And he restores our soul. He guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So this, this is the Lord leading. This is the Lord guiding and why, why do we need this? Well, because every one of us, myself included, we're all so quick to go astray. There's things in our lives, areas that I think only you and the Holy Spirit speaking to you can, can convict you and say, yeah, this is an area of my life that is straying from the Lord. And I pray that the Lord would convict us this morning. And I want to share with you, it's never too late. Many of us have strayed. Many of us have wandered, and it's never too late to, to start anew. It's never too late to make the Lord our shepherd and to walk in his ways, to become righteous. And it says this, it says, He guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I think that the Lord is the one to receive the glory when, when we are walking with him righteously and we are being made holy the Christian message, people often assume that they look into the church and they say, uh, oh, the, you know, the Christians are just these bun bunch of goody two-shoes. They think every, they have it all right. They think they know it all. They think this and that. But instead, actually, we are a group of people that say, yeah, we don't have it together. We are all wandering. And when the Lord comes in, he leads us and he guides us. He makes us holy. He makes us righteous. We don't make ourselves holy. We don't make ourselves righteous. The Lord does that, and it's for his name's sake. Point number three is this, and it's the, the last point, but it's a longer one because it's really what this whole psalm is about. It is this. The Lord is close beside us. 
The continuation of this psalm says, He guides us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. We walk in valleys of our life. We walk in dangerous valleys and, and we, we often feel that no one else is there. We get lost. This image of a sheep lost all by itself. Is anybody, uh, I'm not talking about like in your car lost because your, your map isn't working. But has anybody been lost like in the woods lost? Anybody? Okay, okay, good. You guys need to get out more, those that didn't raise your hand. Um, not to get lost, but just, that's just what happens. You get out in the woods. You, I've been lost before, never longer than an hour or so. But the panic that sets in when you're in the woods and you're like, I think the road is this way. Well, maybe it's this way. And, and the panic, oh, I should go this way really quick and see if it's this way. And then it's not. And then, I oh, gosh, I should go the other way. And you start wandering and you panic. Being lost is a very, very scary thing. My brother, he, he has this tendency of getting lost a lot. Uh, we've, we've given him the, this, the lack of sense of direction. And he's only gotten lost a few times, but he's given this. He did, he, whatever. He got lost when he was a little kid. We lived in upstate New York. He went across the street to find this pond uh, that we had been to. I think it was his first time. I was like, yeah, he could find us right across the street, take a left in the deep, thick woods of upstate New York. And he goes to this pond, and he doesn't come back for a long time. So my mom, who's sitting here, said, go out and find your brother. He's at the pond. Bring him back. I go to the pond. No brother. He's not there. So I come back, and now it's like, Okay, this is all getting very serious. And my dad comes home from work. And I just have this image of my dad. And he's sitting right here. It's, it's a really good image of a dad. It's a really good image of, of what's going on in this psalm, of, of the Lord running after us. And I remember my dad, I think I've told this story before. He didn't put on his work shoes. He didn't put on his hiking boots. He put on instead, to go across the street, he put on his running shoes and he ran across the road and into the woods. And it was just a matter of time before he found my brother. But that image, it's this image here in Psalm 23. The Lord running after us. The Lord, for his name's sake, walking with us that we won't even fear. Even though we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we're not going to fear because he is with us. There's a, uh, a parable that Jesus tells that's it's paralleled uh, somewhat to Psalm 23. It's about sheep, and that, that image of sheep is, is throughout uh, the Bible, the Lord being a shepherd. In Luke 15, it says this, that Jesus told them a story. And he says this, if a man has a hundred sheep, that's a lot of sheep, especially in the ancient world. That, that's a whole bunch of sheep. It'd be like in our world, uh, so a man had a hundred cars. Like, the, wow, that's cool. This man's doing great. He's, he's rich. He's wealthy. And a man had a hundred sheep, and one of them gets lost. What will he do? And then the, this isn't probably what he would do, but, but this is how the Lord works. So it says, won't he leave the, other, leave the 99 others in the wilderness? Is that what you would do? Leave the 99 in the wilderness and go to search for that one that is lost until he finds it. That sounds like a really good way to lose both the 99 and the one that's lost. Like a person has, has 100 sheep and one gets lost, you would kind of just be like, yeah, we lost one today. You know, it was, a, it was a hard day. We lost one of the hundred sheep. I was trying to think of, of like, what does this look like today? Uh, I'm not a farmer. I didn't grow up on a farm. Anybody familiar with sheeps? <laughs> it's not even the word, is it? <laughs> okay. 
So I thought, well, I, I guess I know like Best Buy. So imagine a, a man goes to Best Buy and he buys a hundred laptops. Because in this world, I looked up the price of sheep. Supposedly they're going for like three, four hundred bucks these days. I don't know if that's true, but it's apparently on Craigslist, you could buy anything. So um, that's a lot of money. And I think in the ancient world, this would be even more money. Like a sheep would be months of salary for, for a person to own a sheep in this ancient Middle, Middle East world that was, was poverty stricken. And so, so, if, so somebody goes to Best Buy, a man goes to Best Buy and he buys 100 laptops. He's got all these boxes. He's trying to make his way home. Gets, gets kind of towards home with all these boxes and a wheelbarrow, some sort of cart system. And he realizes he forgot a laptop back at Best Buy. Does he leave the 99 by the bus stop and go back? Are you kidding me? No, that's not what you do. But this is what the Lord does because he loves the lost sheep. And then the lost sheep, by the way, is us. He loves us so much that he leaves the 99 only like God can because God is the ruler of all. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So he leaves the 99 and somehow they're safe because the Lord is the Lord. And he goes out and gets this one sheep. And then it says this. It's, it gets even crazier, this story. It says, once he finds it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Like, hold on a second. A sheep, like an idiot, runs off and gets lost. And he's like, bah, 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 sheeping around. And the owner goes out and finds the sheep. You'd be like, you dumb sheep. You're so stupid. Why'd you wander off? I left the 99 and blah, blah, blah. Instead, he's filled with joy. And he carries this sheep home like a kid on his shoulders with a smile. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. Wow, what a parable. Like, like he throws a party? Yes, because in the same way, this is verse 7, in the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Wow, what a parable. What a, what a, what a kind of a, a parallel psalm, to a parable to psalm here of, of the Lord chasing after us and walking with us. Last week, I, I, our family wasn't here. We were in Minnesota. Uh, Erica's, uh, that's my wife, her grandmother passed away. Her name is Maxine. And two years ago, when our son Max was born, we named little Max after Maxine. He's downstairs, probably biting one of your kids. Um, <laughs> but just the, the honor that, that this lady had in, in our lives. Like, she was the matriarch in Erica's family. She was 85, 86, 85, when, when she passed away just last Monday. And she lived a long Christian life. And her heartbeat was for the prodigal. You know what a prodigal is? A prodigal, by definition, is, is someone who is reckless and wasteful and running away. That's what a prodigal means. And we called her Nana. Uh, that, that's, she had uh, tons of grandkids, uh, even more great grandkids. And she, she got to find out that she has a great, great grandkid on the way and lived a long life of searching and always running after prodigals. She would find someone, a friend or a relative, just in need of help, like find someone that's running away and or maybe addicted to something or just having a hard time in their life. And she would take them out to lunch. She would invite them to church. She would spend time with them. That's what she did. And at her funeral just the other day, 
people got up and shared their own stories of, yeah, I was wandering, I was walking away from the Lord, and, and Maxine, she came and she bought me lunch and she spent time with me. Even the pastor who did the funeral, even he got up and said, I wouldn't be a Christian, I wouldn't be a pastor if it wasn't for Maxine. When he was a young man, very young in his teens, he was wandering and walking away from the Lord, and Maxine, who was 35 at the time, years ago, came to him and spent time with him, told him about Jesus, gave him books to read and the Bible, and he, he became a believer and then became a pastor, and here he is years and years later doing the funeral, honoring this woman who was always chasing the prodigal. And what an image from Psalm 23. This is how the Lord is. This is, this is the heartbeat of the Lord, that if we are like sheep and he is our shepherd, then he is walking alongside of us. He's always chasing us. He's carrying us when we get lost and walking away. One last story before we close. I, um, every once in a while, I visit uh, a young man in jail. He's been in jail for quite a long time, has had a very hard life and mental health issues. He um, ha- had a horrible childhood. He was PTSD from horrible, horrible things that happened in his childhood. And every once in a while, he'll spiral into this mindset where he like has PTSD so bad he thinks he's where he was when he was a child getting hurt and and abused. And one of these times, just a few years ago, he was in that state and lashed out at some people. And one of them was a cop and he hit a cop and it was, it was just bad. It was horrible. So he's now in jail serving time for that. And, and, and it just, just has had some very low lows in his life. The, the police, uh, policeman escorted him to the room where we meet, and the, I opened up the door, and the first thing I saw was right on his forehead, just a huge lump, and it was all red, and I just, he didn't even have to tell me, like, I knew that he's, he hit his head against the wall, he gets in these states, these valleys in his life, and he's so ashamed, and he just said, I, I was hitting my head against the wall, I kind of just lost who I was, I was so depressed, and it was hitting his head against the wall, he showed me his arm where... Uh, th- three or four weeks ago, he, he had uh, access to a like a deodorant cap, and he, with a cap, he cut himself down to the bone, just out of like like being in such a horrible valley that I can't even imagine because I've had a really good life and he has not. And I asked him, I, I was sharing with him, uh, this was a while ago about Psalm twenty three, and I, I thought of this this old poem, and it's a very popular poem, just like Psalm twenty three is a very popular psalm. And I started telling this, this young man about this poem, and he had never heard of it before. I, I assume that everyone has heard this poem so many times, like I have, that it's like, oh, you just kind of roll your eyes. Uh, the Footprints in the Sand poem, raise your hand if you've heard this. About half, so half of you have not heard it. But it's, it's a beautiful poem, and so I'm, I'm sharing with him kind of the gist of Psalm 23, that, that he's walking through the valleys right now, and the Lord is with him. And I shared with him that there's, there's this poem that's similar to Psalm 23 about someone walking with us and protecting us and guiding us and carrying us and, and shepherding us. And I said that there's this poem that says, you know, we get to heaven and we look back through the sand prints of our life. We see our own sand prints of going through the days and the valleys and the months and the years down the days and down the nights of the paths of our life. And we, we see that the Lord was always with us. There was always two sets of footprints. Until these times 
where the valleys of the shadow of death in our lives are that we're walking through and it's, it's complete sadness and grief and, and, and darkness and death. And we walk through these areas and the, the poem says that during those times there was only one set of footprints. And in the poem, the, 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 whoever, the narrator, has the audacity to ask God, like, God, where were you during these times? Why, why weren't you there? Why was there only one set of footprints? And the answer, of course, is, well, those were the times that I was carrying you. And I was, I was just sharing that with this young man in jail. And we were just both weeping with kind of with joy, like thinking, God is with us. He, he, he's here. Even in these valleys, he is with us. It's the... The promise of Psalm 23, that the Lord is our shepherd. Would you bow your head with me and consider, quiet your heart and and consider God running after you? Would you consider him um, putting on running shoes to run after you? Would you consider him leading you? And, And a good shepherd has been there, knows the territory, knows the terrain, and we have a choice to follow him. He will, he will let us wander and, and walk away, but he'll be right there running after us. And we could choose to not have a shepherd in this life. We can choose, certainly, to, to, to reject him as a shepherd. We could choose that in this life and into the next, but why would we? So, Lord, we open our hearts to you. We pray to you and say, Lord, we want you to, to be our shepherd. You are the one who is, you're the only one who has been with us through all of our life. You were there when we were born. You were there when we were kids in elementary school. You were there when we were hiding. Lord, you were there when we became adults, fell in love. Lord, you have been through our whole lives, down the days and the nights, into the valleys, leading us and guiding us. Lord, you have been with us, and, and Lord, we follow you. Lord, some of us maybe don't know you enough aren't sure where you are even going, but we can see, we can sense that you are a good shepherd. And Lord, we want to be with you. We want to walk our lives with you. Because Lord, you are a shepherd. And with you, we we don't need anything. You're leading us and guiding us by green pastures and by quiet waters. You're guiding us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And Lord, even when we walk away and we walk through valleys and shadows, Lord, you're right there with us with with, with a rod and a staff in order to protect us from the evil and from the darkness. And Lord, you anoint our head with oil until our cup overflows. You prepare a table before us. Lord, we take a minute and just say, Lord, we we recognize your table. Your table is the, the table of communion. And Lord, you are preparing that for us, inviting everyone that knows you, inviting everyone that, that calls you Lord into this table. And we thank you, Lord, that goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to quote this prayer to God. It's a, it's a scripture, it's a, sorry, a prayer that's, it's, in church history, it's been around for a long time that we have a tendency here on Sunday mornings to quote, to come before the Lord and say, Lord, would you forgive us? And, and, and Lord, lead us into repentance so that we would be right before you. So if you would, please say this prayer with me. Most merciful God, 
We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.